Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to this last episode of Season 9 and 3 quarters of Heart to Heart with Anna. This is Anna Jaworski, and today we have a wonderful encore presentation of a program with Lars Andrews, who wrote a book and started a support group called Cardiac Athletes. I recently caught up with Lars on Facebook, and we decided to showcase a cardiac athlete in a spotlight for each episode of Season 10 of Heart to Heart with Anna. Now, sit back and enjoy this special encore presentation and come back next week when we'll have a brand new episode and begin Season 10. The theme for Season 10 of Heart to Heart with Anna is Education for CHD Warriors. I hope you enjoy today's special encore presentation. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski, Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the fourth season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Tales from the Trenches, and we have an amazing story today. This is the last show of season four, and it has been so much fun talking to people throughout the congenital heart defect community about their tales from the trenches. Today's guest is a little bit different from most of our guests, which you'll learn about in a few moments. But one of the things that I've been so excited about over the last four seasons is how interconnected the heart world is with the rest of the world. Congenital heart defects are the number one birth defect in As such, they touch just about everyone. Today's show is entitled Cardiac Athletes, Beating Heart Disease Around the World, and our guest is Lars Andrews. Lars Andrews is a chief cardiac physiologist. Lars developed his cardiac athlete's idea out of a deep appreciation of what it is like to have a disability as a result of a rugby accident that left him temporarily paralyzed and having to rehabilitate himself. Various courses, qualifications, and experiences have led him to the direction of creating a unique online community support network. Although he was building a cardiac athlete's website whilst at Hastings, he launched the site for the first time in September 2001 and in 2002 introduced a forum. The website continues to grow successfully year after year. In June of 2014, Lars also became an author writing Cardiac Athletes, Real Superheroes Beating Heart Disease, Volume 1, which leads us to believe there's going to be another one soon to follow. This inspirational book looks at real athletes who have heart disease. Some of the athletes have congenital heart defects while others have acquired heart disease, but they all have one thing in common. They may have heart disease, but heart disease does not have them. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Lars. Thank you for inviting me, Anna. It's an honor to be on your radio show. 
Lars, when I first found your website, I was so excited. So can you tell our listeners about how to find your website and what your goal is with your website? Before I do that, Anna, I just want to say a big congratulations to you too. What you've done with your son is incredible and also in what you're achieving and creating day by day. In a mission which we both share, actually, and that is to hopefully conquer heart disease and lessen or eliminate those who are suffering because of it. You embody what I've always believed to be the American frontier pioneering spirit. I'm glad that you discovered my website and got you excited. That is precisely the kind of emotional reaction that I want. I deliberately designed the website as what psychologists call a massive pattern interrupt. There you are, aimlessly searching the internet, looking for answers to your recently diagnosed heart problem, feeling depressed, isolated, and alone, miserable and hopeless, and then bam, there it is in front of you on your computer screen. Instant motivation. So your head is up, your eyes are wide, you're smiling, and you're believing that really there is still hope. Not false hope, but real hope. And that's the key that most people need. Your listeners can find Cardiac Athletes on the internet at www.cardiacathletes.com. There's an awful lot of free information there on my website, very useful information, and accessible via drop-down menus. You will also find a link to a members-only forum which you may choose to join. It's a bit like a library where members deposit and then withdraw tips on everything cardiac and sports-related in a spirit of free will. We're on Facebook too, and we have both a Cardiac Athletes group and a Cardiac Athletes page on Facebook. All you need to do is type in Cardiac Athletes into the Facebook search bar, and you should find one or the other. My goals for the website are many and varied, but chiefly to try and catch people with heart disease who are drowning in negativity, say, or to borrow a term from my lifeguarding days, to throw them a lifeline and to provide the tools for a better, happier and healthier, independent and productive life. Mm -hmm. A secondary goal might be to try and build a charitable fund which can then pay for such things as AED defibs for sports centres to protect our young sports stars from sudden cardiac death on the sports field. Maybe heart monitors, maybe contribute to cardiac rehab programs or pre-sports participation cardiac screening. And I again invite your listeners to maybe help with that if they can via the donations link on the main website. Okay, that sounds great. And I was just blown away by your website. It is extremely positive, and that's one of the things that is so welcoming about it. It's a very positive website. I loved how it included not only information about acquired heart disease, which it seems like there's tons of information on the Internet about that, but you also have information about congenital heart defect athletes. And I really liked how you were very specific about what to do if you've had a valve replaced and you're ready to resume exercise. I mean, you have a lot of really helpful pages there, and you're very specific because somebody having a valve replaced is very different than somebody who has suffered a heart attack. And so you give information on different kinds of conditions that people may have, and you help guide them through getting back to life and getting back to some kind of exercise program, and I just think it's excellent. Thank you very much. I mean, I don't discriminate at all against any of the heart conditions, and there's an awful lot of overlap too. Some heart disease conditions actually progress on to other heart disease conditions, so somebody might start off with just a myopathy with a, with a mus- muscular disorder, but then later on they might develop a valvular problem, so they have an original member with a 
with a heart muscle problem who then needs information on a heart valve. So one of the reasons I got into this job in the first place was because of problems with heart valves, which I picked up on, and it got me fascinated with cardiology. It was heart valves that actually got me into this job in the first place. So yes, I did make a big point of having information there for valvular patients. That is so important. It's actually fascinating that you can have not a valvular problem, but a problem with the flow going out of the heart and, and not actually have anything structurally wrong with the valve itself. With some people, if they've got very long, floppy mitral valves, when they exercise, the walls of the heart actually come close to those valves and create a problem. So sometimes in the exercise situation, the heart actually creates a valvular problem of its own and it only shows up when we do stress echoes. That's very interesting. I just love your webpage. It's very, very real. I mean, one of the first pictures that you see is a guy sitting in the hospital with the heart pillow that any of us who have had a child in the hospital, especially a teenager, my son just had surgery three years ago when he was 17, and sure enough, he had a pillow just like that that he had to hold to his chest when he had to cough because it hurt so badly. And so many of us have experience with a pillow like that. But then right. right next to it and all around it are people who are athletic or who are near a finish line and I love that it's very hopeful I wanted it to be uplifting upbeat mm -hmm. positive so that as soon as you hit that page you think wow it just changes your mood completely and straight away Absolutely. It really does. You've done an excellent job with that. Well, you mentioned in your bio that you had a life-changing event occurred when you were temporarily paralyzed and you had to live with a disability. So can you tell us how you decided to glean a way to help others because of your own personal experience? Sure, yeah. I, mean, I won't go into too much of the fine details about the exact experience, but let's just say that I went down a tunnel of light when I broke my neck on that rugby pitch on a cold December day. It was actually my mother's birthday, so she never forgets it, in 1981. And then over the next weeks and months, being unable to move, helplessly staring at the same ceiling tile above my hospital bed every minute of every day, relying on nurses to do everything for you as a naive and shyish teen lad. I did cry quietly to myself a few nights. And then as the sensations slowly came back, to my arms and legs I started to plan some kind of better more purposeful life from my hospital bed it was probably stupid of me I was just lying there but I had nothing else to do and I started to make plans obviously I realized I had to go back to school and pass certain exams but my idea then was to become a physiotherapist and just basically help other spinal cord injured athletes and it pretty much grown out of my experience in the moments when I did hear my neck go. So I had this idea that I wanted to help other people. And I've seen on the internet that quite a few people who've survived certain traumas as this, that they also want to be in the service of helping others. So as a 16-year-old lad, I had come close to death and life-crippling injuries as well. And I had experienced incredible pain and nights of depression, being alone, helplessness. All these things I recognize in the cardiac athletes I'd experienced myself years ago, and it made a big impression on me. So somehow that hospital environment, it must have sort of permeated my skin because even today in my day-to-day -day work, I still feel quite at home in a hospital setting because I felt that the people in that environment were the best people to work with. The nurses were ever so kind to me when I was completely paralyzed, obviously. 
later on when I regained my own strength and fitness, I realized that I had more of a chance to choose for myself what I wanted to do. So I started to experiment with different sports, what I could do, what I couldn't do with a spinal fusion. And then I started to wonder if I could be a sports coach. And then I drifted away from being a physiotherapist with that idea. And that was a bit of a mistake because I started to think I'd be a sports coach with a sports science background and maybe become personal trainers and to the celebrities and Hollywood jet set. I began to feel that that was quite superficial and I wanted to get back to helping people. And I actually found a job working with young men who had cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, and autism and I really loved those years that I was working with those lads but also they taught me an awful lot too and even with the most hopeless cases you can make incredible grounds with those people to give you an example I took a lad who didn't communicate he had autism and I had a board with numbers on and eventually he was counting and telling me how many times he'd lifted a particular weight or done a particular exercise so he was not only communicating with me, it was a two-way two -way conversation, but he was also remembering numbers and writing wow. these numbers down. So you can take someone who everybody's sort of written off as a useless case, hopeless case, and still do something incredible with them. I agree. I agree 100%. I just love that. It's so positive. But we need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, because coming up next we'll talk to Lars about how he decided to write a book and how he got it published. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back. Today's show is entitled Cardiac Athletes, Beating Heart Disease Around the World, and our guest is Lars Andrews. And we just finished talking with Lars about how he started his website and the life-changing event that made him consider doing something meaningful to help others. And I'm just so impressed with everything he's done. But now let's turn our attention to the book that Lars put together. Lars, I love the title of your book. I mean, it's great. What percentage of people are featured in the book who have a congenital heart defect? And also maybe what the most common type of heart disease is that's mentioned in the book? Thank you, Anna. I mean, it's all a play on words, isn't it? But always with deeper meaning. Cardiac athletes, real superheroes beating heart disease. I mean, I had a lot of fun thinking of that one. But you see, people starring in this book are real superheroes. We're seeing more and more in, in movies today these superheroes with fantastic superpowers. But guess what? You don't need all those superpowers. You just need to use your brain, your thinking powers. Everyone appearing in this book is a real superhero in my opinion because what they've done is they've used their minds in the most effective way to heal their bodies and to restore the mind-body connection which has been pretty much lost by millions of people around the globe. We live in a disposable world and they pretty much have disposed of their bodies and they sit in front of their computer games and vegetate. These people in the book, they've looked heart disease in the eye and they've said, no way are you going to beat me and they've turned their lives around. They've taken action to destroy their particular cardiac condition and that's why I love these people and that's why I'm quite passionate about them. They are what psychologists call rebound personalities and this is the stuff champions are made of and we can all learn from their examples. In answer to your other question, I would say about a quarter of those appearing in a book 
may have a congenital heart disease component. I'm not talking about complex congenital cardiac abnormalities, but the more common forms like ASD or VSD or bicuspid aortic valves. And the reason for this is very simple. The complex congenitals have so far been underrepresented because there's been no one, like your son for instance, so far who has been brave enough or stubborn enough to prove the medical establishment wrong in their calculations. I mean, I'm putting together a second book. I'll be looking to cover these other abnormalities as well, cardiac abnormalities, especially the congenitals. I've got one heart transplant cardiac athlete who wants to contribute. So yes, I'm looking for more of the congenitals. So if your listeners are interested, I mean, they can submit their cardiac stories to me for inclusion in the next book if they like. We need to take a closer look at the issues surrounding cardiac athletes with congenital cardiac conditions. Many of these people are discriminated against. There's not one main cardiac condition in this book, as you asked. Yes, it covers the main, more common heart disease, but I really mixed it up. I mixed valves with viruses, coronaries, electrical problems, male, female, different continents, different characters, but all cardiac athletes, and certainly they're all superheroes. Absolutely. And that's what I liked about this. I was surprised when I was reading through this on Amazon, and you can find his book on Amazon.com. Just look up Cardiac Athletes, Real Superheroes Beating Heart Disease, and you can find his page. And there are some very nice reviews here, and people have talked about having valves replaced or having a disease that affects their heart and how helpful this book has been for them and seeing that they should never quit and getting so much inspiration from the stories that are shared in this book. Can you tell me about the format of the book? I didn't edit very much at all. I was keen that this book stayed very real and very gritty. Obviously, there was a few spellings I had to change and maybe a little bit of the grammar, but I wanted the grammar to be left alone. I wanted it to be in the mother tongue. Earlier, I I think you referred to this as Lars's book or my book, but I want everyone to know the truth. This isn't my book. This is a team book. If anything, it's a cardiac athlete's team book. I wanted to create a book such as this years ago, but it took me a while to build the website and the numbers of members. I'm not a businessman, and I'm an ex-sport scientist, come coach, come cardiac technologist, and I'm not wealthy, so everything has taken me longer to do than I'd like. I'd love to have a Dragon's Den millionaire or a business angel helping me. Give me a call. (laughs) So I put the suggestion out on the Cardiac Athletes Forum. If there were any volunteers who wanted to contribute to a book, and I got lots of people saying they were interested, and I said that this had to be an uplifting and inspiring book to turn people's lives around and it had to be real it had to be gritty sometimes difficult to read each story follows a natural timeline from discovery diagnosis treatment surgery rehab to their sporting successes i wanted different characters so that if one didn't hook the reader then another might identify with them and become that person's idol or role model guide or mentor Maybe somebody would identify with that person and all of a sudden they've got themselves a role model. What you have to realize is that most people keep quiet about their personal medical stuff. They don't want strangers knowing intimate details about them. But by not sharing, we don't learn anything. We cannot uplift or inspire each other. It takes a special kind of bravery to open your guts to strangers, if you like. But when this is done, it starts up dialogue and solutions to common themes and problems start to appear. And this is what happened with this book of short stories and prompted me to write my own chapter on the 10 repeating themes. I also want to just say here, I'm eternally grateful to the world-leading sports cardiologist Andre Lagerge, who contributed to the book as well, for agreeing to write the forward. Andre is looking at a new emerging heart problem, that of an increasing number of retiring competitive athletes with acquired heart conditions, which he believes are linked to 
overtraining and repeated micro traumas to the heart, particularly the right ventricle. Wow, that's so fascinating. So really what you're saying is that we can expect to see even more of these kinds of cardiac athletes. Yes, precisely. There's great overlap between what's happening. We've got heart patients leaving cardiac rehab to become athletes, and we've got athletes coming into cardiology and cardiac rehab and mixing and mingling the two groups together. And that's when they first meet each other. Obviously, the elite athletes feel a bit of a fraud being in that situation, but they've developed these cardiac conditions. So the two groups are actually mixing and mingling more. I think they are too. And one of the things that I've appreciated over the last 20 years that I've been involved in the congenital heart defect community is it seems to me that 20 years ago there was a lot more fear about letting the children participate in sports and do certain things. Although I do have to say my son's own cardiologists were very supportive of him doing what he needed to do. Now, because he's a single ventricle patient, he couldn't do competitive sports that required lots of running back and forth. So he wasn't going to be a football player or a soccer player or something like that. But that didn't mean that he couldn't be an athlete. And in fact, my son was an athlete. He earned his black belt in taekwondo and he made it on the swim team, although it did take him three attempts before he finally was accepted onto the team. And what we ended up discovering was he needed a wetsuit because otherwise the water was too cold and he was spending so much time shivering, which increases your cardiac output and wears you out so quickly that he just couldn't be successful. But with the wetsuit, he was able to stay warmer and wasn't shivering so much, and he actually was successful. So I think sometimes, and this is something that you talk about on your website as well, there are some modifications that may need to be made, and that's okay. You make those modifications, and then you can become healthier, and you can do more exercise. So what I loved when I read your little blurb that you have on Amazon yourself was that you said there were places where you were crying and there were other places that you were laughing, and that's what a really good book does is it tugs at all of your different emotions. Was there one story that's most memorable to you that you still hold close to your heart from your book? It still gets to me and brings a tear to my eye even now when I read different paragraphs. I mean, some words take me back to when I was lying in the hospital bed myself thinking of my life, so I'm able to make parallels with the person I'm reading about wondering if my life was all over as a 15-year-old or 16-year-old. And even now, talking to you on Skype, reflecting on how far I've come, I love all the stories in this book for different reasons. I feel a connection to these people. They are my spiritual brothers and sisters, if you like. There was one story I left till last in the book because it seemed right and proper to do that. Tony Jennings' story, because it is a great leading to like future stories, a younger generation of cardiac pioneers, if you like, and cardiac athletes. I think the majority of the cardiac athlete members would agree with me that Tony Jennings is a general amongst cardiac athletes. This guy will not stay down. Heart disease has tried to destroy every member of his immediate family, himself, his wife, his son, his daughters, his granddaughter, just about every known cardiac condition known to medicine in one family. You just won't believe it. But no, not acceptable to Tony. This guy deserves a special mention, and I urge people to read his story. It's at the back of the book. Um, he might go down for one or two days, but a bike ride alone on an unfamiliar route or a jog up a mountain path, and he's back in control again. I don't know how he does it. Well, you definitely have me curious. Now I want to see it. I want to talk a little bit, though, because I do believe everybody has a story. 
I believe that everyone has something that they could share with others, and I agree with you. Most people keep it bottled up, but I think that people find healing in sharing their stories, and that's what I love about the radio show and the books that I've put together is I give us an opportunity to share our stories, and we all learn from each other. And it's just like you said. You see other people's stories who are different from yours, and yet it conjures up images for you of your own story, and so you find those connections, which I think is so important. We really are all more similar than we are dissimilar. And when we appreciate the commonalities that we have, I think it makes us all happier people. But I'm going to talk to you about something nitty gritty, and that is how you publish, because I noticed that you published it on CreateSpace. Do you recommend that other people write their stories and use CreateSpace to publish their own books? (laughs) Why did I use CreateSpace? The simple answer is I'm poor. This book is a team effort, and there's no money sliding craftily into my back pocket from the sale of this book, so I had to keep production costs to a minimum. I also kept the sale price to a minimum, too, because I would rather get a million books out there at, say, $1 than a 1,000 books at $100 each, if you get my meaning. I mean, I was quoted $1,000 or $2,000 to do this and that and to proofread, etc., and I said, no, thank you. I'm going to have to try and do this myself. And then I discovered CreateSpace, that was the first one I discovered, who offered to help indies, as we're called, independent publishers, to help get my book put together. So they had a good package. They help you create the front cover and the back cover, and and you can download templates and copy your text straight into their templates, and it's all adjusted for each page. So, yes, it was very, very helpful. And I've been crafty. I've kept the original template so I can do book two much simpler. (laughs) But I was saddened later on to discover that their networks, as they promised, didn't link very well to book wholesalers and distributors around the world as I thought. Uh, It wasn't as extensive as they had me believe. And so in the end, I had to publish my book through Ingram's Lightning Source 2 who reach out to the U.S. backwards and U.K. and Australian book distributors. So you might discover this same book with two different ISBN numbers out there. And I apologize for this, but I feel I was a bit misled originally. There is help out there. These companies are helping independent publishers. But when you actually hit the high streets, you will experience what I can only call book snobbery out there some of the high street shops are not willing to take your books and it's very difficult to get from printing to bookshelves that's one of the problems i've had myself although saying that waterstones in england have just recently agreed to start stocking shelves with my book so it should be interesting to see what happens next well, as an independent publisher myself, I agree with you. I think the marketing and getting the books into the book stores is so difficult. But luckily for us, a lot of our people will be looking on the Internet. And I noticed you even have a Kindle edition available. Yes. So that's really good oh. because a lot of people are using the Kindle editions now. I've got an interesting story about that Kindle version. I was at work and I had, I think it was an email, first of all, someone trying to join the website who had just come out of surgery, and they were in Abu Dhabi, I think it was, in the United States. And he'd just come out of having his bypass graft. He picked up his iPad and gone on the Internet and searched for athletes with heart problems. He'd come up with my website, found the book, went to Kindle, downloaded it, and he was reading it within an hour of coming out of surgery. That just shook me in how far technology has advanced and how effective the book could be. 
in an electronic format, you see. If it had been a book, obviously you'd have to wait days or weeks, but in electronic format, he had it within an hour of coming out of surgery, and that's what shook me. Yeah, it's amazing. We need to take one more quick commercial break, but don't leave yet because when we come back, we'll get some advice from Lars, so stay tuned. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back. Today's show is entitled Cardiac Athletes. Beating Heart Disease Around the World, and our guest is Lars Andrews. We have talked about so many different subjects. It has been a fascinating show. Lars, can you tell us what the best advice is that you could offer to parents who may be faced with having a child recovering from open-heart surgery, and they want their children to have the option of competing athletically with their peers? What kind of advice can you offer to those parents? I mean, how do we improve in the quickest way? In sport, we do it by copying our heroes, right? our hero's actions. Okay, I'm talking directly to the parents of children recovering from open heart surgery. Firstly, remember this. You only ever really compete with yourself. I mean, this is ideas and thoughts that I've gained from the website, the forum over the years. You only really compete with yourself. Other humans around you can either help uplift to higher levels of achievement or crush you if you let them. Why is competing with others so important? because they offer a reference, a benchmark against which you can judge yourself as being successful or a failure? Do you really need others to make you feel successful? If you do that all the time, you will fail more often than you succeed. The point I'm trying to make is only compare like with like, apples with apples. Only compare personal growth and success against who you were yesterday. That way you give yourself the greater likelihood of succeeding. We are all so different in heights, weights, length of limbs, and heart conditions. Maybe one day we will have an Olympic swimming event where a bunch of hyperplastic athletes line up and wait for the start gun. But what's the point? Why would we want to do that? I'm just first trying to get you to see life differently. It's not really a rat race. It's just life. Enjoy it. Use sport to celebrate your life. All cardiac athletes reach this level of, let's call it some kind of spiritual awareness. When you take part in sport, it feels great, doesn't it? The mind and body working together in harmony. But what happens when you add in prize money? All of a sudden, you've got competition and injuries kick in. You need to know what extent you will push yourself to keep your ego happy. You need to keep uppermost in your mind what your heart condition is and what the experts are saying, what the limitations of that heart condition should be. Notice I use the words should be. Because with some gentle, safe experimenting, you might discover that the experts were wrong. And when you do make that discovery, I hope you share it with others. And then that way we advance. But in a less philosophical or more practical answer, it might be to say individual sports rather than team sports might be best. Because others might encourage you to push yourself and overexert. But if there is the desire to take part in team sports, maybe do some kind of risk assessment. See if you can come up with some new ingenious solution to the problems faced. If not, play safe for today and come back tomorrow and see if there's a better solution. I've met people who've gone out and bought body armor so they can ride their BMX bikes because they're worried about landing on their pacemaker. There's all kinds of ways that you can get around. I mean, Anna suggested using a wetsuit 
to keep her son warm when he was swimming. And these things should all be shared on a forum, an open forum, and then other people can benefit from this advice. I think personal heart rate monitors for training are very good because that way you've got specific training zones to stick within, safe limits, upper and lower. Maybe they should be compulsory for certain open heart surgery patients playing sports. I would hope that there's an AED defib nearby on the sports field where they're playing. And that's something I'm keen to support as well. And hopefully people are properly first aid trained and CPR first responders. But you need to experiment, obviously, and you are your own pioneer. So you have to be very careful in what you're doing and do it step by step. It's all about being sensible. That's perfect. That's wonderful. So much of what you have said is just so rich. Thank you so much, Lars, for coming on the show today. Well, unfortunately, that's going to have to conclude our show. We're going to have to have you come back on the show and share some other stories, and maybe we'll even get a cardiac athlete to come on with you. That would be so much fun. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and you'll see a link to Lars's website there as well. And check out our Cafe Press Boutique. Any purchases from our Cafe Press Boutique help to defray the cost of our show. So please consider buying a mug or a license plate cover or a car magnet. And remember, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.